Shabbat Shalom and greetings to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. I see you all in the chat. Greet one another in the chat. And remember, you can always go to TorahToTheTribes.com forward slash connect. We've got the new calendar up for the um, year, the biblical calendar up. As we're going into a, a new Roman year, we are well on the way to Passover and the start of the biblical new year. So please go and check out. It's a downloadable calendar and make your plans to come to Oregon for the Passover, for the Moed. It's a great opportunity for us to come together, break bread, and of course, drink of the Kadosh vine and be a blessing to one another. I'm over in the chat and I see you guys. Is the sound and the, um, the video good? Just um, give me a thumbs up in the chat and then I'll proceed. Of course, today we are in Isaiah, the fifth Hebrew gospel, Yeshiyahu. We are in chapter 39. I mean, I am trekking along and I'm going to be able to get this teaching done in eight minutes or under because it's only eight verses. And if you believe that, well, what is that country song? I've got a plot of um, uh, land to sell you with a sea view in Arizona, something like that. I think that's the George Strait song, isn't it? My, my sons love to listen to that. Anyway, of course, I'm not going to be able to wrap this up in eight minutes, but I might be a little shorter than the usual. Bless one another and please give us some thumbs up before we get started. Hit that notification and subscribe to the ministry channel. Go down in the um, notes below and please consider donating and supporting financially toward to the tribes. Those of you that do, thank you so very, very much. This is an exciting time to be living in, is it not? Let's go and jump into the Kadosh Holy Word of Yahuwah. And at that time, Merodach Baladan, the son of Baladan, Melech of Babel, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he had heard that he had been sick and had recovered. So the chapter this week begins with the arrival of the Babylonian envoys to King Hezekiah. And it's very interesting. There's a lot to learn in this chapter, especially as we live in the current world that we do. And I love that about the word of Yahweh. It is alive and it is relevant to the days in which we live. So this chapter narrates the visits of the envoys of Merodach Baladan, the king of Babylon. And at this point, King Hezekiah, of course, last week, he was recovering from the severe illness. And Isaiah had prophesied his healing. He's prophesied life extension. Merodach Badalan's interest in Hezekiah's recovery may have been political, though. 
because he was seeking alliances against the Assyrian threat. Now, we live in a very politicized society, and we have to realize that the countries in which we live in the West, they are also, especially with the fiscal policies that are going on, seeking alliances against other countries that are not set up or established the way our fiscal or war machine is. And we see that very much today. Now, going back to the text, Hezekiah, perhaps he was flattered by the attention because what he does in this chapter is insane. Maybe he was overwhelmed by the attention because he goes into the treasury and he displays the treasures of his house to the envoys. Of course, none of you would ever do that, would you? You would never do that. You would never think about filling out a form and signing and swearing under penalty of perjury and displaying everything. You would never think of, we would never think of doing such a thing as that, would we? No, of course we wouldn't. That would be absolutely Babylonian. But then Isaiah delivers a prophecy because he foresees exile. He foresees slavery as a consequence of just opening yourself up to Babylon. We've been trained to do this, brethren, since birth. We have been compelled to do this since birth. And now people are awakening, the great awakening, that there's a better way to live. At that time, Merodach Baladan, the son of Baladan, Melech of Baval, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah. For he had heard that he had been sick, and he had recovered. And Hezekiah was glad because of them, and he turned, in turn, excuse me, he showed them the bait, the house of his precious things the silver and the gold and the spices and the precious ointment and all the bait, the house of his armor, and all that was found in his treasures. There was nothing, nothing in his house nor in all of his dominion that Hezekiah did not show them. There's a few words that jump out from the text to me, very simple words. We're not going to go into some deep, mysterious word study. Of course, the Hebrew word bait. But these three words are going to give you insight to where we're going to go as we unearth the text. Bait, what does that mean? Of course, it's house, the house or dwelling. What is that symbolizing? It's symbolizing one's private domain, one's private domain. Now, in the context of the teaching, it's emphasizing the importance of keeping personal matters within the confines of one's home or private space. And this is what I teach my family. There's conversations for inside the house and then there's conversations for outside the house. 
In other words, public and private do not mix. This is the key to safeguarding the treasury. The second word is the Hebrew word kesef, silver, silver. Of course, our silver was taken from us by FDR in 1933. So another truth is there is no money. Wealth and material possessions, silver, kesef, emphasizing what? The need to guard and keep private the valuable assets one possesses, especially dealing with foreign powers, mystery Babylon. The third word is the Hebrew word marmas, marmas, armor. Ephesians 6, armor, defensive and protective measures. In the context of the teaching, brethren, Isaiah is suggesting that we take it very seriously. We make it of utmost importance to safeguard one's defenses and vulnerabilities. We don't expose them to external entities like Merodach Badalan. Because if we do, we've just been told what's going to happen to us. And it's going to happen if we do in Revelation chapter 18. So right here in verse 2, these three words collectively highlight the theme of what? Maintaining privacy, protecting personal assets, and being cautious about what is revealed to the public or external powers. This is how we're taught to live in the Bible. The lesson here is discretion in both personal and political matters to avoid potential negative consequences. One of your biggest downfalls, my biggest downfalls, is social media. It's a public notice board and a declaration into your life, which is why I'm not active on social media whatsoever apart from this platform through a ministry and, of course, through the protection of the Bible and my sincere religious beliefs. That's it. That's it. There's a danger, and that's what the Bible, Yahweh, is teaching us today. There is a danger, and the danger is worldly pleasures. That's the danger. Hezekiah's willingness to display the treasures of his kingdom reveals his vulnerability to the allure of worldly pleasures that will always get you. He let earthly success and recognition divert him from his spiritual path. The narrow road, the small gate, when in reality, he should have remained vigilant. We have to remain vigilant, especially in 2024. We must remain vigilant, and we must see the potential spiritual consequences of our actions of bearing all to Mystery Babylon. Keep the public public and the private private. They do not mix. 
We have been compelled since birth to mix them. And that was Hezekiah's downfall. Look at verse 3. Then came Yeshayahu the Navi to Melech Hezekiah. And he said to him, what did the, those men say? And where did they come from? And Hezekiah said, they have come from a far country to me, even from Babel, Babylon. Then he said, what have they seen in your baich, your house? And Hezekiah said, oh, they've seen everything. All that was in my baich house have they seen. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not shown them. How do we do that today? Social media, filling out government forms, self-confession forms under penalty of perjury. And whatever you do, if you have to put that social security number down, then just know that you open the door wide open to expose yourself. Because that is the index into Mystery Babylon. So the whole rule of the game is play the game of commerce without using that number. Because anytime you do, you just hadlan bedlam yourself. Did I say hadlan bedlam? <laughs> Merodak baladand yourself. <laughs> Merodak badaland yourself. You see, these are the thoughts that come from the text. Hezekiah's decision to showcase his wealth without seeking divine counsel. You see, the world will always try to compel you through fear, force. Fear and force, fear and force. And a sense of urgency. You've got to do this by this date. You have to do this. Pause. Seek divine counsel. It really highlights the tension between temporal and eternal wisdom. Keep the private in the private. Keep the public in the public. And if you are going to go into the public, use an entity to interface with the public, never yourself and never a social security number. Use an entity. There are lots of them to use. When you fill out a government form or put down your social security number, like I said, you just merodek badland yourself. And if you do that, just know that's what you're doing. Don't do it without knowing what you're doing so you can make wise choices. Because if you own anything and it's tied to a social security number, then you don't own it. Merodak Baladan does. And when he's ready, he will claw it back and he will take it back whenever he wants at a moment that you least expect it. It's a tough message, huh? Look at verse 5. Then said Yeshayahu Isaiah to Hezekiah, 
Hear the word of Yahweh Sebot. See, the days come, the all that is in your bait, and that which your avot fathers have laid up in store until this day, they shall be carried away to Babel, Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says Yahweh. Really? You'll own nothing and be happy. That's the great reset. That's George Soros. That is the globalists, and that's their goal. Why? Because they came from Babylon. This whole system is mystery Babylon, the system of commerce. Verse 7, and you and your sons that shall come from you, whom you shall bring forth, they shall be taken away, and they shall be officers in the palace of the Melech of Babel, the king of Babylon. Then said Hezekiah to Yeshayahu, Isaiah the prophet, Tov, this is a good word of Yahweh which you have spoken. He said, moreover, for there shall be shalom and emet, truth in my days. We've all made mistakes. We have all made mistakes. This is not a message of condemnation. Hezekiah made a mistake. But once the prophet revealed the truth to him, he said, you know what? The word of Yahuwah is good. The word of Yahuwah is good in which you have spoken, and there will be shalom, and there will be truth in my days, because I'm not going to make those mistakes that I did in the past again in the future. Changed direction. Play the game differently because we're on the monopoly board, brethren. Throw away the boot and pick up a different token. Exchange the funny money for something of actual substance. But we didn't read the instruction manual. Isaiah's prophecy about the Babylonian exile emphasizes to me, and I hope to you, accountability. The accountability to which we will be held for public actions. If you place yourself in the public, you will be held accountable for it. And they will strip that thing bare because they are ravenous wolves. Ravenous wolves. They will strip you to the bone. That is the goal of the public. Our choices then have consequences, how we play the game of commerce. And the text emphasizes the importance of spiritual discernment when we play the game, especially because we're dealing with Babylon here. We are dealing with a den of iniquity. Hezekiah's response to Isaiah's prophecy reveals a humility, though, does it not? He's like, you know what? Now that you've shown me, I accept that word as truth. Hezekiah's response, it was humility. Even in the face of judgment, this is my life. The spiritual lesson here, for me, maybe for you, is a reminder to value humility, especially in times of prosperity because it all can be stripped to the bone, especially 
if you made the mistake of putting it in the public. You see, there is definitely a delicate balance between engaging with the world and maintaining spiritual integrity. The spiritual lesson encourages us, I think, to navigate the world. We're in the world, but not of the world. To navigate the world with spiritual discernment. Never let your guard down. We must make spiritual decisions even when we play Monopoly. Understanding that our interface with the world should align with spiritual principles. We weren't taught to do that. Here's the boot, go play the game. The boot being the silly token, which has all the liability. Isaiah 39 serves as a mirror reflecting the intricate interplay between the political, the personal, the public, and private dimensions of human life. I'll repeat that. There is a political, there is a personal, there is a public, and there is a private dimension of human life. And if we don't understand that, we're going to get raided and sent into captivity. So, I told you I'd get this done in under eight minutes. How long have I been going? Oh, I've already blown that then. So, let's look at the text now seeing as I've blown the under eight minutes thing, in a modern perspective, with a modern perspective, on privacy, but also government. And then how do we engage with the world without being in the world? Well, Isaiah tells us. And that's what's awesome. In Isaiah 39, the encounter between King Hezekiah and the envoys of Babylon can be metaphorically likened to the dichotomy between public versus private life in our modern society. So, let's look at a few things. Number one, public engagement. That is likened to displaying the treasures. In the public realm, Hezekiah's openness about the treasures of his kingdom symbolizes the modern act of volunteering personal information in exchange for government benefits and privileges. If you do it, it's going to cost you. There is nothing for free in this life. There is nothing for free. There will always be a clawback and What happens? A stripping to the bone. The meat will be taken off. There is nothing for free. We saw that with all the COVID loans. We saw that with all the COVID loans. Just as individuals often share personal details on public platforms or government forms, Hezekiah inadvertently exposes his kingdom's wealth to Babylon. Number two, the cost of public participation. Number two, the cost of public participation, the mark of the beast. Looking at the parallel of the mark of the beast, 
Metaphorically, it suggests that engaging in public systems marked by an indexer, identifiers like the social security number, comes at a cost. Just like Hezekiah revealing his treasures, people will find themselves obligated to disclose personal, private information for societal benefits, compromising their privacy and their family's security. Why do you think they want to give your children a social security number? At the bloody hospital! So then you can save a couple of bucks by putting them on a self-report tax return form. Why would we do that? Because we were trained to, without question. Number three, private life. Keeping secrets. The call here then is to live in the private. And it echoes to me the modern sentiment of maintaining personal privacy. This involves conducting private dealings confidentially, akin to keeping one's treasures from the public eye. It aligns with the idea of limiting public disclosures to protect personal autonomy. And it's not illegal. It's a choice. It's a choice. But since 1933, they don't want you to know it's a choice. Because in 1933, everything went public. Because we were compelled prior to 33, well, actually in March 9th, 33, to turn in our private transaction substance, gold and silver, constitutional money, in exchange for a public number and public debt notes. And whoever created them, they have the power to pull them back. But before that, people could have private transactions. Number four, operating through entities the goal of ownership and control. Interface with the public through an entity. Conduct public activities through entities. This aims at minimizing our personal exposure. Privacy in public transactions. Off the public record. The emphasis is what? Isaiah is trying to teach us here how to live our life as believers. Not like the world, we're in the world but not of the world. The emphasis on keeping everything off the public record. This resonates deeply with me, especially within modern society when everything is so public with social media. We should have concerns for privacy. Oh, because you're hiding something? No, because I don't want to be in the public. I don't like the general public. I'm not a part of the general public. I'm a part of the privately private. I'm a citizen of heaven. There's nothing wrong with that. The idea is to be minimizing public disclosures, avoiding government forms, and refraining from self-confession invitations. 
promote a more guarded approach to personal information and disclosure. That's what Isaiah is really saying to Hezekiah and to you and to me. Isaiah 39 then really becomes a metaphorical narrative addressing the delicate balance, and it is a delicate balance, between public and private life. But know it, and then structure it and adjust. And once you come to the knowledge of the truth, say, you know what, that's a good word. That's a good word. And now I know how to live in peace and truth. Because the other way, that was chaos. And I was always looking over my shoulder. But now you don't have to. You see, the text, the Bible is suggesting that while engaging in societal structures may bring benefits, oh, sure, we should exercise severe caution to protect our privacy, similar to Hezekiah's inadvertent exposure of his treasures to Babylon. So the Bible, to me, is a warning to modern-day concerns about personal autonomy, privacy, and the potential costs of participating in public systems. Oh, Matthew, I don't have anything in the public. No. Seven things of serious exposure. Maybe you have one. Maybe you don't. But these are the things that you would meridak battle on yourself with. 401k, Roth IRA, a bank account in a U.S. jurisdiction, investments accounts in a U.S. jurisdiction, tax assessment, a will, statutory trusts. All of these are public structures that Merodak battle on yourself. And these are what we have been taught to embrace because they don't want to teach you how to live in the private because it doesn't behoove them plundering. You see? But now that you see the word, it's a good thing and you can live in shalom and you can live in the truth. What do all those seven things that I just mentioned have in common? You must have Merodak Badalan's number to participate in them. You must have Merodak Badalan's number to obtain any of those seven things that I've just mentioned. Show Merodak Badalan and tell all to Merodak Badalan. How? By rolling the dice and filling out his simple form under penalty of perjury. And you just hezekiah yourself. Why volunteer, Hezekiah? Why volunteer to display your treasures to Merodach Badalan, the synagogue of Satan? and enter into a public controversy. Because that's what it is. It's a public controversy. There's a better way to live. Shalom and truth. We need to embrace 
a thoughtful and intentional, intentional approach to being in the world, but not of the world. And it is not just a spiritual, um, a spiritual concept. It is a commercial or should be a commercial, lawful reality. That's what it should be. Balancing the necessity of societal engagement, being in the world, with the imperative of safeguarding personal autonomy and privacy, but not of the world. You won't get this in the church because it's all spiritual. And they're one of the biggest ones of taking benefits and privileges and signing up for all the crazy, which is why they're a 501c3, because they get the benefits and privileges and they gave up a right for a benefit and privilege. Why would we do that? Because we were all taught to do that, myself included. This is about strategic decision-making, Hezekiah. Not being complacent, Hezekiah. It's about mindfulness, Hezekiah. And be aware, do not enter into mystery Babylon participation or public participation. And a discerning use of entities will contribute to a more empowered and secure way of living in the days we live. I have an advantage over many of you because I grew up in another country. I can do things that maybe it's a little bit more technical for you to be able to do. But you can still do it. You can still do it. They're offering all kinds of amazing programs in other countries. All kinds of amazing programs that you can take, you can, you can take access from and use even in this country. We need to secure the way of living in the days we live because things are about to change. And it might just prevent you and I and our descendants being plundered and taken into captivity. So in conclusion, there's four rules to the game. There's four rules to the game. Number one, there is no money. What? How's that possible? Due to the removal of constitutional money in 1933, ne listen, negotiable instruments serve as lawful substitute for money according to their own rules, the UCC. It's that simple. Number two, Public and private, do not mix. Number three, do not participate in a public controversy. And number four, stay in honor at all costs. That's how you win the game. Look at verse six. See the days come that all that is in your Bayit house and that which your avolt fathers have laid up in store until this day. All of your generational wealth, everything is going to be carried away to Babylon. And nothing, nothing shall be left. When? Revelation 18 then. When? 
Revelation 18 then. For in one hour, so great riches is to come to naught, and every shipmaster and all the company in ships and sailors, that's Admiralty Maritime, that's commerce, and as the many as trade by sea stood afar off, we're in an international admiralty maritime commercial system, brethren, and they will stand far off. And they cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, what city is like unto this great city? And they cast dust on their heads, and they cried, and they wept, and they wailed. And they said, alas, alas, the great city wherein we made rich all that had ships in the sea, that's the seas of commerce, by reason of her costliness, for in an hour, the whole market is going to crash. It's called the great taking, or the great reset, and it is right around the corner. Just as they confiscated the gold in 1933, today they have securitized everything. Everything. Your mortgages, your Roth IRA, your investment accounts, your 401k, they are all securitized and they are going to pull back the securities to the banks. Then they are going to shut the game down. Then they are going to restart the game and the banks will loan you the new currency to play the game again. When did Parker Brothers create the game of Monopoly? Right when FDR did the reset in 1933. We're just playing a game. It's a game of commerce. And if you know how to play the game, you will love it. You will love it. But if you don't, you're going to jail, to Mystery Babylon, to captivity. The bone is going to be stripped. That's what I've got for you. There's a lot to marinate on. Just in eight verses. I apologize. I was unable to do it in under eight minutes. But you know me. Always trying to stir up a controversy. Well, there you go, brethren. I don't know what else I've got for you, except I'll come over to the chat. Lots to think about, though. Lots to think about, brethren. We live in a very strange world, do we not? If you have something that you would like to pop up in the chat, now's a good time to do it. And you can redline me at TorahToTheTribes.com. All right. Here's a great one from Sonny. At Torah to the Tribes, I am a state national, but that is not the answer. I have a small business I'm trying to get out of the system, but not sure how. Again, you know, that's the thing um, that was taught to some of us that were looking is, you know, a change of status. 
but we don't actually need a change of status because we will already have it from our creator. It's just how to play the game of commerce. And you don't need any status to do it. You just need to pick up a different token instead of the boot, okay? And then you just need to, um, I have to be so careful, of course, we're on a public entity right here. But anyway, status change not required, not required. Um, let's see. Emissary of Elohim always comes to the spiritual root of it. Don't be a human resource, right? Because it's almost as if we're in the matrix just to extract energy, just to extract energy. What, your labor and your energy, right? Think about that. If you want more information, then maybe when you go to Shabbat Fellowship, which is a great place to hang out, they meet 9 o'clock in the morning, Pacific Standard Time, every Shabbat, you can bring up some of these questions and talk amongst yourself on Shabbat Fellowship, or you can almost, oh, ugh, excuse me, you can always email um, Shabbat Fellowship too with your questions, because a lot of good question I can see. And um, my goodness, so much, so much. Caroline, I'll finish with your comment as it's the last one that popped up. Thank you, Matthew, for helping our family. You have taught, oh, taught Sage much. Thanks for your prayers. Baruch Hashem Yahweh. Thank you, Caroline, for watching today and blessings to you and your household. It's a privilege and an honor for us to be working together towards kingdom truth and kingdom reality. Because you know what? We can bring the heavens down right now because it is within us, the kingdom of heaven. This is kingdom thinking. This is kingdom thinking instead of slavery thinking. And that is the way to set us free. And as Hezekiah finished, when he was conveyed the word of truth, he said, it is Tov, and it is Emet. It is Tov, and it is Emet. Shabbat Shalom.